nobody like this You ain't seen nobody like this You hear my sound all over town singing Welcome to uh, San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. My name is Harry. Uh, I'll be the host tonight here. Joining us is Rafa. How are you? I, I see you're already rocking the, the Puma gear. I've got some verde. Nice. <laughs> it might be a better uh, verde color than the uh, mint green. Uh, awesome. that, that's a, I was going to say, that's enough. You don't have to mention any further. We get it. We get it. You know a Spanish word. Okay. Austin there's, knows a Spanish there's word. There's actually more creativity on Rafa's shirt than their kits is, but uh, not wrong. There. Royce, how are you? How was your trip down to the beach? I know. I just got back from Corpus 15 minutes ago, and I obviously wore a hat all weekend, and I'm still in my fishing shirt. Um, I didn't get skunked, but I didn't get skunked. We'll just uh, roll with that. And then joining us, uh, uh, John from USL Tactics, who um, has a lot of fans in San Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so happy to be here, even though I've got a little bit of heat for being skeptical at one point about this team. <laughs> uh, it's all good here. And like I said here, uh, if you have questions, uh, if you want to hop into the chat, like I said here, please do. Um, like I said here, we're more than happy uh, to be able to answer those here with John uh, as we go over and I get a better understanding of why GAR is so important um, for that here. So for us non-analytics guys, you know, this will this will be education and, you know, more of a, hey, what do I see on the pitch uh, type of guy here, but uh should be a fun show. Um, we'll we'll get started with the uh, action on the field, which is they lost six to nothing to um, FC Dallas, and they beat Houston Dynamo two two to one today. Um, that last goal that they gave up, um, from my understanding, there were five or six academy players on very late in the match, and uh, the Houston Dynamo two got a late goal, but. You know, uh, two goals by uh, Patino at the start and, or, you know, one one at the start of the first half, one at the start of the second half, and that was pretty much all she wrote. Um, but we'll start out with um, Royce was able to get uh, some inside information uh, from uh, Third Degree Podcast, which covers uh, FC Dallas and is a great podcast. Uh, you know, even if you're a non-Dallas fan here, you know, they do very quality work. And obviously it's it's heavy towards FC Dallas, but, uh, you know, they've got a great team uh, behind them here. Uh, but Royce was able to kind of chit-chat with them while, 
I was attending to AJ's uh, soccer travels to Austin uh, for this month. I think we got six trips up and back from, from Austin uh, scheduled for for his uh, club club games here. So first of all, uh, we'll start with you, uh, Rafa. Any thoughts on the preseason results? Does it matter? I think what matters more is the building chemistry. I think that's integrating the new guys into the system. Uh, it's great to have a lot of returning players back, so the learning curve's not going to be too long. You know, it's just it's what Marcina needs to find, who's going to be your starting 11 come March March 12th against Detroit. And and then also who's going to be your role players, you know, coming subbing in and out. So And then who's going to be the keeper? <laughs> that's the main thing. Since we got three quality keepers, so, um, but that's a good problem to have, I guess. I guess you can say, but um, but overall, like I guess I mentioned, it's it's all about building chemistry and see what what works and what doesn't work. Bryce, any thoughts on uh, Ab One? I'm going to point out to you if you don't catch it here, but uh, any thoughts on the uh, the matches or lineups that came out? Uh, as far as the Dallas match, um, just real quick to try to uh, review it, um, the first lineup for the first half was the um, the, the, black. The, the black, and the second half was the red. Um, the big difference, obviously, um, being that there were two midfielders, and they, they went with a typical 3-4-3, um, the Marcina 3-4-3. We've seen it before plenty of times. Um in the beginning, in the first half, um, and from the pictures and from uh, a buzz from uh, third degrees description, we had a pretty high line. The uh, the center backs were pretty far forward, and it looked like they really tried to get away with a, a really high press, and they just kind of got burnt for it. Um, and for a couple reasons, it, it doesn't matter that much. It's good to get in that mindset. It's good to get in that mode. But at the same rate, uh, SE Dallas's um, season opener is what in a week. Next weekend, um, yeah. And uh, SAFC, that was their first preseason match. They'd only played together for a little over a week because there was that weekend or that week they lost a few practice days because it literally froze for two or three days. Um, so I'm not putting that much um, into this uh, preseason match. This was, uh, you know, this is the system. Let's get used to it. Let's figure out the issues. And there were some issues, but they, I mean, also this FC Dallas, their attacking line's incredible. Um, they have some really top players. Um, remember last time they played each other, um, Ryan Hollingshead looked like FC Dallas's best player. And he, while he's a good player, he's not their best player. But he played the best for them the last time SAFC played them. This time it was kind of an all-around effort and everybody looked good on FC Dallas. Um, for the second half, uh, for the first half, obviously, Bonilla started in that. Uh, Far got the second and then Cardoni came in. Um, we'll see where that ends up. That even with today's match, they're they're obviously all trying to get equal time to see who's going to get that starting point. Um, the interesting point, though, in the uh, formation that changed from the first half to the second half is we did bring one of those forwards back and to help out in midfield because it's pretty obvious we were getting overrun in midfield. Um, and that would be Loera, who's playing as a 10. He's playing in that Nathan spot. So that's that's it seems like Loera is taking over that Nathan spot, and it seemed like he played there as well today. Uh, yeah, he had an assist on a goal as well as my understanding for the second goal. Right. 
Uh, yeah, that, that second goal went Loera to Beckford to Patino. Uh, and then and it went from Loera in the midfield as a 10 with Nathan, that, the Nathan spot to Beckford on the left and then cross to Patino who finished it. There was a video of the goal. So that's how they finished that. So one thing that, uh, and I know you caught this originally, uh, a, un, well, unannounced, <laughs> yeah. unsung, well, unannounced, non-trialist, uh, yep. number 15, uh, was it D.D. Uh, Traore? D.D. Traore, yeah. We, uh, we haven't heard an official, yeah, we signed him. Here's a, uh, Obviously, we're not going to hear anything about the contract. Everything is... Um, uh, it's Spurs. It's very Spurs sports entertainment, but, um, he started yeah. today too. Yeah, he did. Um, on the left side, I'm sure again, um, mm -hmm. as he is a left back, a left wing, uh, left wing back. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> still so, no word. Um, they've listed his name twice, but they've never said, yeah, we signed him, which is interesting because on transfer marked, um, it shows that he's on loan to a French second division team. That's the thing. That, that, yes, that's the thing that has me is. And they just signed him like in November is what it shows. Shrug. I, I, I don't know, man. No idea. I don't know if it's a loan. I don't know if it's a signing. Haven't heard anything. Uh, and I will say, uh, I will go ahead and say that um, there was a big transition from uh, Preston Petrie to now Kevin Bass, who is mm -hmm. the. Um, uh, social media and the communications manager at San Antonio FC. So that might be a reason for it is there is that transition going on right now. Um, and welcome, Kevin. We're looking forward to really uh, annoying you. Um, but <laughs> that I think that's part of the reason is um, they'll get around to it. And I'm sure there's other signings. Um, there were some unfamiliar faces that uh, in some photos that they posted recently. So I guess we may find out who they were. So, so this is the lineup that came out initially at the start here. Um, uh, Bonilla was initially scheduled, but he was replaced by far. Mm -hmm. um, although Bonilla came in later in the match, but it seems like mainly Garcia, Tainter, uh, Gomez, and uh, Didi is going to be the back five. You can. It seems like that they're really pushing that that back five there. Um, PC was uh, in the midfield with yeah, the trialists. This game was with Abu. Yeah, PC's next to Abu, um, and I think that's going to be it's. That's what I said in the beginning. It's going to be PC and Abu as a double pivot in the midfield. I think that's just that's how it's going to be, and you have all of that speed and with Traore, and that's going to allow him to go as forward as much as he wants, and PC can come and uh, slide. Well, Gomez out. is supposed to be pretty quick as well, too, though, right? No, is, he is. is Gomez is on the right. That's correct. Okay. Gomez is on the right, so he's going to stay home a lot more, uh, but Traore is going to get up a lot more because PC can slot over and take over, and you could still have Abu in the midfield, and you'll still have a, a good back four. Uh, for cover, and you'll have Triore able to get up and down as much as he can. Because uh, from what I've heard, uh, that guy's fast. And for, obviously, from what we've heard about Taintor, uh, Gomez is also fast. So it's pretty exciting wingbacks there that we have um, lining up uh, that kind of out of the blue, to be honest with you. But there are two with PC and Abu to really kind of distribute the ball a lot better the kind of like than we had last year. Since we did have PC out, out wide, I think having him in the middle, I think he's more effective there. 
because he reads more of the defenses. And then plus those two can stop counterattacks, especially then in the middle. So I think uh, especially good. with PC's um, yellow card accumulation. Cheers, PC. <laughs> I will also say that this is a really good cover for PC. If you remember last season, he had that groin issue. Mm-hmm. This is really going to help cover him for not having him run all up and down. He could just stay in the middle. So that, that should help that situation as well. So my only question comes in to up top um, is, is this a more defensive lineup? You know, cause it just seems like to me, you know, yeah, Patino, Collier, Beckford, you know, if we're going with, you know, the, um, you know, the last week starting compared to where did this one go here? Um, right. So uh, just going with what you're saying, I think we are kind of lining up to be more of a, um, uh, not a bunker encounter, but more of a press and keep a line and then just go with the counter. Uh, I, I do think that is what we're lining up uh, to be um, that, that's kind of what we did last season to a point. Um, and that's how we afforded, you know, that's how we, and that's kind of how the Marcina system's been. That's how we afforded space for Piranha to go to dribble into. That's how we afforded space for Epps, for Gallegos. That's how we afford that space. We don't, you know, we're not just spread out and trying to play, you know, Tiki Taka the entire time. We are kind of back. We have a double pivot. We have two very strong midfielders. That's, that's very defensive. We have three in the back. That's very defensive. And you have wing backs. But at the same time, that's kind of what Chelsea did to Manchester mm-hmm. City in the Champions League final last season is it's pretty much the exact same formation they played, and they played it to perfection. Uh, and that's how they won the Champions League uh, over Manchester City is basically this exact formation with a very similar tactical scheme. So if you're to bring, you know, and this is how they came out here, Collier, Dylan, Patino uh, up top, and then um, obviously subbed, um, you know, at half. Somebody came in because obviously uh, um, uh, Lorera, you know, got the assist. Mm-hmm. So we're, who do you think's coming out? And, and you know, we we haven't. I'm not going to be able to go to, to Saturday's game because AJ's will be up in Austin again. Right. Um, who do you think comes out? You know. You know, as far as if they need more offense, you know, obviously it seems like Lorera's uh, off the bench, but then, you know, Beckford, you know, Beckford, right. you know, started the first game, didn't start this one here. I was a little surprised that they had Collier, Dylan, and Patino. Uh, you think that's just getting minutes, or you think this is a, a possible precursor? This is preseason. It's all about seeing how people, how players, I mean, you had each goalkeeper get 30 minutes in pretty much every game that they've played, every preseason game that they played so far. It's all about seeing who gels where um, and seeing who looks good. Uh, that, that's it. Uh, and to answer your question, who came off? I don't know. I'll tell yeah, you Saturday. Like, <laughs> yeah, we don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. So the only other uh, SAFC news that we had here uh, is, and if you haven't checked out, SAFC came out this week with their new, uh, website here, it's a, pretty it's good. A lot, lot more user friendly. Pretty good. To be fair, it wasn't just a, a SAFC. I think all USL Championship teams uh, switched the uh, platform here, but I like the the SAFC one here. Uh, but they signed forward uh, Kakuta Mane. Yeah, Kakuta Mane. Which uh, I, I'll tell you a little background on Kakuta. Um, 
a few years ago he was going to be a, um, a U.S. men's national team attacking option um, to the point where he was when he was playing for the Vancouver Whitecaps he maintained residence in the United States and he would uh, commute to Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, which is like a 30 minute to an hour drive each way in order for him to uh, try to get that time because you have to live in the United States for so long to take your citizenship. That's what that, that's the length he went. And that's where the USMNT was talking to him about. Yeah, you know, come in, uh, we'll get your citizenship and um, we'll bring you in and, uh, and we'll see in that. That's exactly what he did. So uh, last season he did play for uh, Austin FC. Um, Austin FC was just kind of a mess last season. Well, they're just a mess in general. But um, when he got his chances, he looked good. Um, he took a couple of those chances. But for some reason they just kept – I don't know if it was a panic move or I, – I, I did not try to pay attention too much to them for obvious reasons. But – they really rotated their forward core a lot to where nobody could really get a good foothold into what was going on. Um, and that kind of is exactly how their season went. Um, but moving on from that, Kukutamane, a very um, a very exciting signing. He is an MLS quality forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been an MLS quality forward for, for a few years. He's not, you know, an aged out guy. He is still in his prime years of playing, he is still super fast and he is very much a very exciting attacker as U.S. in 20 minutes. Yeah, he's got over 200 uh, caps between, you know, league and uh, international play, uh, even some Liga MX with Pachuca. Uh, Rafa, your thoughts on, on him? It's just another quality forward that we need especially the fiasco we had last year when two of our players were hurt and we were kind of scrambling. That's when we brought in Perusa. So we're bringing in early insurance policies just in case Patino and Dylan go down. And we're calling, like I said, we have two quality backups with Collier and um, well, I don't want to butcher his name. <laughs> um, what's, 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 how do you pronounce his last name? Kakuta Mane. You have Mane. Mane. Yeah, you have Mane. We have Beckford, uh, Loera, yeah. Collier, Patino, Dylan. A lot of attack, a lot of attackers in there. We're solid there now because like I said last year that was a little problem. But mm-hmm. out of that problem, that's how you know Nathan rose to the occasion and took advantage of it. But I I, I have faith in these guys, especially since they have the experience. So if we lose one, the next one will come up and take care of business. Yep. I like that he's wearing the seven because uh, we've had a couple of pretty good sevens in our history with Forbes and um, oh, what's the guy that came from Cincinnati? Oh, Cincinnati. Go- Doren- uh, Dorenzo was seven. Dorenzo, was Dorenzo seven. but uh, the guy that came from Cincinnati. Is he going to wear the Dorenzo shorts? That's a very, very <laughs> important question. Will Kukutimane wear the three inch inseam shorts we'll see <laughs> well so that brings the question who's going to have uh shorter shorts him or fabian or <laughs> garcia fabian garcia 
I'm excited to find out Saturday. Let's go. <laughs> Who is sponsored by Nair? Let's go. Go for the, for that game. <laughs> All right. So then we're then we're gonna bring on John here. John is like, what is going on here? <laughs> the other big news that they came out with was the uh, kits, the away kits and alternative kits. I think there was a little bit of confusion. But in the email, uh, and this is by the SAFC communications team and, and uh, Kevin Bass, uh, did mention that these will be the away jerseys and was it Viva Knights uh, for that here? So we'll start with you, John, uh, just because, you know, give you something to talk about here. Uh, your thoughts on the kits? Yeah, I mean, they're clean. I like the look. They didn't put their foot in it in any way here, like, you feel like it represents the brand well. I like the chevron, the whole, like, my association with it is those throwback spurs colors. Obviously, that makes sense with the ownership. Is it the most exciting kit you're ever going to see? No, but I would wear it. Uh, we'll go next to you, Mr. Puma. Uh, Rafa, because you were teasing us with the uh, plain white T-shirt look. Uh, so, I, to be honest with you, I had that expectation, hey, we're getting a white shirt with scribbles across it and uh i think they did all right <laughs> like i i mean that's okay it's an okay away jersey I, I guess your home jersey is supposed to be your flashy jersey so you're away you're not trying to go overboard unless unless you really want to make a statement but it's a nice for the touch it looks like the spurs home white Nessa jerseys it kind of exact mirror of that so i think it's it's a cool jersey i even though there was some comment i read comments on instagram some weren't liking it. One one mentioned about like a seven year old can paint better than this or something. But <laughs> like I said, I'm not like I said, I'm not too big of a fan with the Pumas jerseys because they're a little too tight. But hey, like I said, we got to go <laughs> do with it. Go. Well, we got to go. Count, we got to go start counting those sit-ups here so we can look like Royce here. So, Royce, your thoughts? Did we lose you, Royce? Okay. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. I can hear Royce, any thoughts? <laughs> I guess I guess I'll move on to how I feel about them. Um I think I think Rafa hit it exact. It is supposed to be a very company centric. This is what the Spurs Fiesta jerseys look like. This is what SAFC's jerseys look like. And there's company synergy, and that's great. I think that I think they look awesome. I mean, last year there was a vertical stripe. It looked great. It was it was it was perfect. It was simple. It was perfect. This is what this is. This is simple, and it looks really good. And it gets the job done. I'm happy that it's the awaken. I love the back. I think the back is yeah. Amazing. The back is the star to me. Um, but um, it's uh, I love vertical stripe to have. And it also means that we have um, a home kit to look forward to a release as well as a third. So do we want to discuss rumors uh, on that here, Royce, of possible rumors? I know uh, Robert says, wait till uh, Jasir signs. Um, I, I've got... It Can hasn't been announced, but I do know that Ollie Wright obviously is not coming back to San Antonio. Um, I have uh, heard rumors from uh, from 
sources uh, will say that uh, our family, you know, that uh, our family are both down in RGV and have connections with Ollie Wright at, at his local school that he is going to be heading south to RGV uh, for that here. So uh, it sucks that he isn't here with us. Um, but I'm glad that he's getting the opportunity, uh, even if it's with RGV, um, hasn't been announced yet. Uh, I'm assuming they're going to have to start announcing people soon. So that way John uh, can uh, start filling in some uh, roster spots for them. Uh, Rafa, any thoughts on Ali moving down to RGV and, and what that does for him? Well, hopefully it leads to him to, to get more playing time. I, th I think here in our situation, we just had too much of a log jam in the midfield. But also, I think what kind of maybe hurt it, hurt his opportunities maybe to come back is some of the mistakes he made. I bet everybody makes mistakes, but there were kind of key mistakes that kind of swung games uh, left and right. And I think he kind of fell out a little favor out of that from that. But I mean, he was an integral part as far as. Know, pumping up the team, he was always there greeting the fans. You know, that's the type of player you want to have on your bench. Mm -hmm. I think hopefully, maybe this going down there at RGV gives him an opportunity to really get some playing time, and then maybe he can improve on that. And hopefully, I guess, and move forward, maybe hopefully get into the MLS. But you know, so just wish him luck. Well, when he plays against us, that's a whole different story, but I wish him luck against down there in RGV. Yeah, for the other matches, uh, like I said, here, wish him. Uh, Mike, uh, like I said here, I think that year two would have been an SAFC option uh, for that here, and it sounds like the unfortunately they did not. Uh, may have declined. They, they declined that option here. Um, you know, it's but to me, I think for depending on what RGV is bringing in, and, and I've talked to Edson, um, they do have players. Uh, they did uh, play a preseason match, even though they haven't announced a preseason schedule. Um, I think RGV is on the MLS Next Pro uh, schedule release program uh, for that here. Wow. They're on the New York Cosmo schedule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least, well, the Cosmos, at least, you know, aren't playing, but, uh, you know. Do you? <laughs> Sorry, John. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the other rumor, um, if you follow Instagram, uh, we'll let Royce introduce this one here. Uh, possibly uh, his favorite Tunisian. Uh, uh, might yeah, be we him. have we have definitely seen some uh, smoke coming from the uh, Jasser Kamiri to San Antonio FC camp. Uh, we'll see if there's fire, but. Yeah, there has definitely been some uh, some posts that are very exciting, and that would do that. That would that would make me feel just complete about the offseason, to be honest. Um, him in the middle with either Manly or Fabian, or I'm sorry, Manly or Garcia to the right, and Tainter to the left. Man, that's that is a heck of a USL championship backline plus how fast our wingbacks are. You got the double pivot in the midfield and then you just have the attacking talent of Kukuta Mane, Patino, Dylan, Beckford. Good Diop. Lord. Yeah. What? Yeah. Diop coming in as depth everywhere, literally everywhere. The, mm -hmm. just the dude can play any incredible. Um, and Loera is in the Nathan spot. 
we'll see where John has us uh, power ranked, but uh, I have us at the top. Back to you, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> so the roster sets at, I think, what, 17, 18? So we got five. Yeah. It's, it's at 18, plus you're going to have some Academy kids, including uh, Holt, uh, Roman Holt, who's gotten some minutes, um, and then I'm sure there will be a, a, a couple other players, as is per usual. Uh, I don't think they'll be the usual suspects, just because. well, maybe later in the summer, but you definitely have uh, guys like, uh, I believe, Lincoln, um, uh, Rocky, uh, Rocky Perez. Perez. Um, those guys are all in college. Um so they'll at least finish out the semester uh, at their colleges, and then they may sign, you know, a, an academy deal uh, with the uh, with the team to get some minutes over the summer, so, or some training at least, or minutes in the U.S. Open Cup, or however they end up. Um, Historically, you know. SAFC runs about twenty two, twenty three on on the up to twenty five if there's injury concerns. Yeah, right. But, but yeah, typically twenty two or twenty three. Twenty three, and then they'll have their mm-hmm. five academy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they may not, last year they didn't announce all five. I think they did three or four and then announced Correct. one later on in the year. So, um, you can, but those don't count against the 30 man, uh, uh, right. max roster spots that, that you and can that, have, So that one that was signed later in the year was after the Mexico games, Brad Dildy had a very good show out. He's also in college. So there yeah. you go. So. We're going to get to the Robert Rankin uh, part of the show here um, where, uh, you know, he mentioned that he only wants to hear nice things about SAFC from John tonight. And, and sorry, Robert, uh, we, we did say John gets to be no filter, you know, stick to his guns uh, type of thing here. So if you're not familiar with USL tactics, number one, you're probably not listening to the show. Um, number two, uh, like I said here, Fix your life. Fix your life. Fix your life. But he's one of the must follows of USL championship uh, for that, especially if you're into analytics, you know, for an eyeball vision like me, a lot of times what he puts out there, I'm like, that's nice. You know, I read it. I don't fully understand it. So we're going to start off with um, what I have here. Um, And I think this is, this is what started uh, the, the conversation here was his GAR per player uh, that he put out, um, and it's been updated here. But as you can see, he only has San Antonio below Memphis, uh, below FC Tulsa, um, through you know through here. So this will be uh, Royce's and John section here um, and Rafa's. Talk to me about what GAR is and how it is such a good indicator um on, on how you on how you bring up your analytic uh, analytics sure so basically you're taking for every single player in league the expected goals and assists they're putting up which i calculate on my own using the shots the passes etc that they're making so everything they're doing on the offensive end then combine that with the defensive actions that they're putting in your tackles, your blocks, your clearances. And so that numerically captures the actual participation in the game. Then you've got the component of the GAR stat that is comparing the team's basically goal difference when a player is on the pitch versus when they're off it. 
So that tries to capture the intangibles. Obviously, you can't say you're a very intelligent defensive midfielder who is always in the right spots and no one passes in your vicinity. Hopefully that shows up in that sort of plus minus area. So you take those two factors, mix that together with some math, weight it by position because there is some pretty good variation of position. And for every single player in the league, that tries to show over the course of a given USL season, how many extra points are they earning their team throughout the course of the year? So or if negative you weight points, that out, right? You or negative points. Yeah. RGV at one point was negative in total. But um, well, well, well. if you just look at that for San Antonio, it puts them a little bit above average, basically mid table, but in the thick of it in terms of that Western playoff race. So this is basically the um, like a soccer equivalent of like a uh, almost a wins above replacement in uh, in, in, in baseball, baseball. Right, um, right? Which there's also runs above replacement, but that is a very that's more niche. Hockey has a similar thing called Corsi. Corsi is kind of a basically the thought behind Corsi is the more shots you have, the more goals you're probably going to score. Um, the more hits you put on somebody, that means you don't have the puck. The less goals you're going to score so hits aren't good in Corsi shots are and the same thing here obviously shots um chances created uh tackles interceptions and stuff like that all goes towards this which is a good uh good tactic for sure uh or a, a good um, um stat uh, for sure but We'll uh, we'll see how the season goes. Obviously, the preseason, um, and I think that's going to be the big thing. I understand. I understand. SAFC lost some some of the top players um, in the USL Championship, but at the same time, nobody kind of knew that they were top players in the USL Championship in the preseason of last year. Nathan kind of came out of nowhere from Brazil as an eight was a twenty year old. Um, Nobody, nobody really uh, rated him, and uh, guess what? One of the top goal scorers in the league. Same thing with Epps. Didn't seem like there was a long line to sign Epps. We brought him in from uh, the Sounders Academy, and lo and behold, look at that guy on fire, and Phoenix decides to do what Phoenix does and threw money at him after SAFC um, showed him out. So, And then Gallegos, obviously, um, that's a big lot. that is a big loss for San Antonio, um, but his career is so much bigger than – you know, San Antonio FC, and it, it's exciting to see him play this weekend. Um, I'm guessing we're going to get to that. I'm going to leave that alone because um, Harry's pointing at me like he um, well, well, no, I have ahead. a question on that. Okay. So, and this, this is the difference between um, analytics and the My Vision guy, you know, which I'll put it as me, the, the average fan. So, to me, Jose – you know, you know, he was homegrown, San Antonio born, you know, all of that star with Central Catholic and along those lines. But when you look at his numbers, they weren't eye popping off, off the chart, you know, like he never led in goals. He never led in assists along those lines here. So to me, for, you know, what from, from me, I don't think it's going to be that difficult to replace what his production was. Mm. Just but, from an, and, and that's why I'm asking okay. this question. Okay. Okay. Fair. So for Thank me, you. that looks at, hey, I see his goals, I see his assists, 
you know, I know he can dribble. That was one of his best things was being able to dribble and attack on that. How does that impact? How does that impact his, you know, his guard and stuff like that from an analytics side here? Because obviously John weights it very high, and you obviously weight it very high as well. Rafa, so you go first. Yeah, Rafa, you go first, and then John. Yeah, get in yeah. there. Get in there. Yeah. A lot I had to do because it was, you know, the little things he did, especially you know, just the possession of the ball, his attacks, just creation of space. Because it did, it did cause a lot of chaos when he had the ball. Like, he would get surrounded by two or three guys, and I, I think that's if, if hopefully like Lorette does the same thing. If he can create the same thing, then I think we'll be fine. But if he doesn't do that, you know, then we're like, okay, we're, we're a little trouble here. Because he really brought, not that he scored a bunch of goals, he just brought a lot of attention whenever he had the ball. And he, oh, I think one game was, I think, the New Mexico game at New Mexico, the, the, the commentators were like, just every time he got the ball, they were all scared. Oh, well, he's got this. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. Like a, we had like Ronaldo, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, there, but. You know, he, he just brought a lot of things on there on the pitch that maybe statistic-wise wasn't on there as far as goals and assists, but just possession of the ball or creating space for our other players, he, you can notice that he did bring a lot of attention for that. And I think we're going to see this year whoever we put in the spot is going to do the same thing. And if they can do the same thing, we're going to be fine. John? Yeah, so just to push back on the statistical side of things, he was in well, he was in the ninety seventh percentile for player performance last year, right. despite like the lack of out front goals and assists. And it's because of that component that tries to capture the more intangible side of things, where he's an absolute terror who will uh, drive counterattacks, do so much on the dribble, the gravity that he has, where if he has the ball suddenly you have five defenders who immediately are keying on him. You can't quantify that, but at the same time, it really is making a huge impact. And so when San Antonio is playing those rare minutes where he's not on the pitch, they're a demonstrably worse team. And I think the numbers really reflect that in a way that when I come to the end product statistically, like that's reflected in it because someone like Jose Gallegos is completely amazing. I 100% agree. I have, Two quick examples. Number one, Epps and Nathan do not have anywhere near as many goals as they do without uh, Jose Gallegos allowing them to have the space to perform, to do what they need to do. Number two, the one team that decided we're just going to put them, we're going to man mark this guy uh, and we're not going to worry about him was that game against New Mexico. And he had, what do you have? Uh, hat, no, it's, somehow he was Assist. either assisted or scored three goals. Um, I think he had three assists in that match. And that's because they decided, no, we'll put our left back on this guy. It doesn't matter. Assist, assist, assist. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much it right there is, Oh, we have to double team this guy, which allows somebody to get space. Crap. And that's it. That's why Gallegos was so, he is so damn valuable. And that's exactly what he showed in that, uh, right. No. Uh, in, in the game this weekend, he created a couple chances. He's just he's got to get back in the swing of things. He's he's got to get back in. He's he's got to get warmed up again. And we would kind of get upset when he was get three guys on him, but he wouldn't release the ball. Yeah, that's what it goes back to. That and that's what he's. That's part of his learning. That's that's a part of the game he needs to learn. Is 
Oh, I got three guys around me. Who's open? That guy's open. Let me give the ball and quick passes. That's what he needs to work on. But that's kind of what everybody needs to work on at that age. So, yeah. Harry? And so Robert asked us here, uh, and this goes to John here, wouldn't playing in a weaker division and he's picking on the Rowdies, uh, wouldn't that inflate your gar? I mean, you know, outside of RS, you know, Real Salt Lake last year, the division was stacked last year, and, and we can kind of, you know, question really if it was that stacked. I mean, um, Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Red Bulls 2, Loudon, you know, well, you know, his point is that they're playing Red Bulls 2 and Loudon multiple times. So if you're playing, you know, and, and we're just using the Rowdies as an example, you know, because they were a quality team. They made it all the way to the to the the, the, the final USL championship championship game uh, for that. But how does – and this year we don't have to worry about it because it's, you know, 14 and 13 in each one. It's a level playing field with the exception of the outer, outer uh, conference uh, matches here. But last year where you had the different divisions and – there were some. There were divisions that were much tougher uh, than others. So, how does that how does that weigh into your numbers, or you know, or does it not? And you know, one thing that I know from you from following you last year is, as this season grows, those numbers will will fill in, and, and like some of the unknowns with San Antonio that we think, hey, this is going to work because you know, player X should fill player X spot here you know, we'll be able to say, hey, does that come to fruition or does it not? So how does the competition and the variance play into your numbers? So I I think just off the bat, the argument that the West is stronger than or deeper yes, than the East is probably kind of, well. yeah, it's kind of a BS <laughs> thing to begin with. But um, <laughs> just in terms of like, obviously you're going to get a little bit more in terms of the goals and assists you're putting up if you're playing against a loud and although i mean you could say the same thing about vegas but um when i take that component that's looking at like the on off the goal difference that a player is putting up that's weighted for the team he's on so if you're someone on tampa who's outscoring loud by three every every other week or whatever it is you're not gaining from that because it's your performance relative to the performance of your team so it sort of is checking for the fact that, yeah, not every single player who's a rowdy is good just because they're a rowdy. Like you've got to be putting in that extra bit of value or else it's not going to show up in what I'm trying to generate statistically. And when you look at it across like the results for teams, there's a reason that Phoenix and Sacramento are my top two projected uh, sides right now. Like they just have more talent and yeah phoenix can or rather tampa can run up the numbers against some of the lesser sides out east but at the end of the day like i think it ends up being pretty balanced in my end result royce any comments on that no i mean it's it's going to be one of those things where um there's always going to be argument against different stats, but at the same time, there are teams that go by these stats and this is how they build rosters and they go by these numbers. Like I said, Corsi's not perfect because it just says, Hey, if you get as, if you get, you know, a whole crap ton of shots, then you're probably going to win that game. Well, sometimes you get goalied and you, you don't <laughs> goalies on fire and just beat you. Um, war. Sometimes you get a dude with, you know, career hundred war like Mike Trout or Albert Pujols they strike out seven times out of three uh, out of ten so 
they don't always tell the perfect story, but all you can do is you can try to, it's the same thing as formations. Formations aren't a perfect science. Formations are just a general idea. They try to give you a general idea of what is going on and what to look for. They don't tell you the specific instructions on somebody. They don't tell you that uh, DD Triori is going to go all the way up and PC is going to cover for him by coming over, which is going to slightly, you know, make the formation ajar. You don't get those real subtleties in the same thing with, you know, but hey, you have things, stories like Moneyball, where literally they built the team just based off of analytics purely. Uh, they had some of the worst, well, worst players, you know, in the league at the time. They threw a little bit of money, but they were the perfect players to fit in those spots. And they, you know, won 20 games in a row and went to the playoffs. Like, it's not perfect, but it's about as good, it gives you as good good of a picture as you possibly can paint at the same time nobody gives championships in the preseason they don't go you made the best team congratulations here's your cup there's a whole season you got to play to figure that out injuries happen um, loss of forms happen surprises happen and the big thing that i think safc is going to do is they're going to surprise because oh you got this guy that came down from mls you got um um, Colorado, one of Colorado Springs attackers that didn't score a bunch of goals. Uh, there's really not that the reason why Haji Berry scored so many damn goals last season is because of Beckford and because of Galena. Galena left halfway through the season. Beckford took over. Haji Berry didn't uh, did not um, down. lose a beat. He did not slow down. He kept freaking scoring. Pissed me off, but he kept freaking scoring. <laughs> um, and it's because Beckford, um, and that dude is, he's so damn fast and he's so damn good. You saw it in that quick video where Loera fed him the ball. He went to the wing, cut it across the Patino and scored. That is something we're going to see a lot this season. And I'm excited about it. Conclusion after my little outburst, stats aren't perfect, but they give you the best possible picture you possibly can get at that moment. So John uh, decided to kick the hornet's nest again. Uh, no way. By, <laughs> by coming out with uh, power rankings. Uh, hmm. We'll start from the bottom. Uh, he has uh, Vegas, which nobody's shocked. Uh, no big surprise. RGV. And part of the reason why RGV is so low is because they don't have a roster yet. Um, you know, I think they'll jump up once, once they get in. Because in speaking with Edson, They've got some players that are coming, just haven't haven't cleared medical and all that stuff here. Uh, Red Bulls, Atlanta. This part interests me here, where you got Detroit City and um, Monterey, Monterey Bay. Bay. Your thoughts on the expansions? Um, they're kind of, to me, they're kind of going two different paths. You got Detroit City going with uh, the Nisa All Star team. It seems like, and there is rumors that uh, Billy Forbes uh, is in camp there, trialing with them as well. I, so. I will say, shout out to Billy Forbes, one of my favorite, one of my favorite players of all time in, in soccer. Um, he <laughs> he posted on Instagram his car just completely covered in like six inches of snow, and he's like, "This weather's not for me, man." <laughs> shout out, Billy, man. I hope you're doing all right out there, dude. <laughs> So, oh man, John, your thoughts on the expansions teams and uh, uh, Monterey Bay seems to be doing more the getting the USL championship uh, vets path uh, for you know for that here uh, Kai Green, former San Antonio FC 
uh, was uh, transferred to them uh, on a free transfer. So your thoughts on Monterey Bay and Detroit City? Yes, yeah, so just uh, starting lower here. I mean, Nisa All-Stars really kind of sums it up for what Detroit City has built at this point. There's nothing wrong with that innately. I think you saw some guys like with Oakland last year who came from Nisa and not much else experience-wise and did okay. But when you've got seven, eight good Nisa players with a handful of like average championship guys, which is basically their roster belt at this point, I don't see how they're going to be anything more than kind of bad. Monterey, similar boat where like, yeah, they've got a lot of veterans with championship experience. No one on that team is really flashing as a difference maker to me, but you see them as the biggest jumper in this power ranking. And that's with the additions of, as you mentioned, Kai Green, and then especially Hugh Roberts. Mm -hmm. There's a real scenario where given the two goalkeepers they've got and given those two central defenders where they're going to be really annoying to score on, they're not going to be good. Like, let's be real here. I basically dislike nine tenths of where their roster is at at this point. You can envision a scenario where Green and Roberts are just locking teams down. You lump one up to Chris Cortez who holds it up. Suddenly you get some like quick wall where Martinez run. It's a one nothing win for Monterey. Correct. Which, to be fair, is exactly what uh, OC did last season, and they won the yeah. damn championship. And it's exactly what Oakland Roots did last yeah. season, yeah. and they went to the damn quarterfinals. So, hmm. and I think oh, Montreal is poor. I think they're a poor man's version of that at this right. point. Like their midfield is pretty awful, if we're being honest. Like they're they're not going to be a playoff threat. They're going to win an annoying game on the road in Phoenix. That which there, throws the standings like that's just their game plan at this point which there's definitely something to be said about a team that sucks to play against oh Conky yeah calf. for sure conky calf that's perfect and i'll i'll say this and, and i'll say this for detroit city and for monterey bay you're better off facing them early because they will figure it out and i know detroit city's got a hell of a coach that mm-hmm. that's you know, just like with Oakland last year, they started out slow. Mid-year, they brought in some different talent. And, and then, of course, they got that late-season push uh, for that here. So it wouldn't shock me that, you know, with Detroit City and Monterey Bay, that they start out a little bit slower. Um, that mid-year, you know, maybe, you know, if they're near playoffs or if they're within range of playoffs, they, they might try to, you know, invest a little bit more in, into the budget. Um, but coming in as an expansion side, you know, to USL championship, it's not easy. Uh, you know, San Antonio struggled to make the playoffs and what, this is what year six. And they've only had two years where they were comfortably in the playoffs uh, out of that. And they've missed the playoffs a couple of times as well. So, um, it'll be a dog fight. So. Moving above them, you got uh, Los Dos Hartford. I th- was a little surprised to be down low, but I know, I know. Um, Number wise, that's just because Ever Guzman retired. That's it. That's the only reason. That's why they're <laughs> down there. Continue. Loudon United. I've heard mentions that they out of the two teams, uh, there's only four, but out of the two teams, that's the one that's possible to get the playoffs on there. Uh, Roots, Charleston, Memphis, OC kind of round out in, in, you know, 
OC, uh, I'm assuming it's probably a little bit uh, better, you know, being the defending champs kind of starting out at 15. But they're, they're, they're just that discussion where they don't look sexy on paper and their numbers don't stand, you know, you know, the eye test doesn't stand off as well here, but they got on a roll last year when it mattered and, and they got the, you know, the ball bounced their way a couple of times and, uh, you know, they got the job done, but it's, it's uh, 2022, not 2021 uh, along those lines here. Your thoughts on that kind of next group here, I guess, you know, to me, like OC, Memphis, uh, Charleston, Oakland, kind of, I think those are probably playoff fringe teams, uh, you know, from the East and uh, OC, I guess, would probably be a fringe team in the West. Yeah. Um, I do just want to give a shout out to what Loudon has done. Like, they're not going to be great, but they've added two really good goalkeepers kind of in the same vein as like a Monterey. Uh, pay attention to what Teddy Cudi Pietro is doing in the midfield. Like if you're ever by chance watching a Loudon United game, he's going to be special at some point. Um, I I wish I could put Oakland lower. I just don't see them. In the <laughs> they, wow. They, they benefit from the fact that I think a lot of the lower half of this league is just not that great. I don't see where the goals are coming from. They've got some good center backs. They're fine up top, I guess. But if for me, it's an eight-team race out West, and I'll hit on that in just a second. I do want to shout out what Memphis has done. Um, it feels disrespectful to have them 16th, frankly, just because some of the League One players they picked up are really impressive. I would die on the hill that Laurent Kissiedou is one of the better number 10s in the division. They're a striker away and a little bit of depth away from... Huh. So yeah. you're saying you're saying they're a Kyle Murphy away from being a good. Hmm. Wonder where. Uh, <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> huh. Interesting. That's a number eight spot there. <laughs> OC though, on, on the topic of that team, I just think that that Chaplo style, defense first, grind it out, is really hard to play over the course of 32 weeks in the regular season. And when you think about what their offense was. A lot of long balls into Ronaldo Damas, which is still there, but it was a lot of Eric Calvillo driving play through the middle of the pitch. He's in El Paso now, with, right? Exactly. They replaced him with Kevin Partita, who's good, but plays a different role and doesn't progress the ball in a similar way. And they brought in, I think, two or three, number six, number eight, more defensive-minded kind of players. Eric Torres is the other thing as well. He scored like two goals in four years. I tend to kind of glorify him mentally as like the Kubo who came into MLS going on a decade ago and really tore things up. It seems like he almost has his eye on youth coaching more than playing at this point from things I've heard. So how do you balance that with what Damas is doing? Because they went with two strikers at a certain point last year and it was a bit of a mess. Who's progressing the ball in the middle? What are you doing with that defense, given that Rob Kiernan is gone and you're really relying on Kobe Henry to make that step up, which I think he can do, but it's a big burden on such a young player. So, like, there's a real blueprint for this team to get into the playoffs and make another run again. But at the same time, there's just a lot of question marks for me when I'm considering what Orange County has done. And I think Robert makes a great point. OC was a lot of let's play for yeah. PK's play style. 
which works in the postseason, but unfortunately during the regular season, you walk away with one point, not three points. So I could see them being in a lot of close games, tie games, which that that could impact them on how far they get up. So we're going to go to the East uh, next, kind of on, on the playoffs here. So you have Tampa at number one. You have Low, uh, Louisville City at number two, you know, you know, ranking out of the East. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh at number three. Uh, Miami, or pardon me, the Miami uh, FC at number four. Uh, <laughs> Birmingham, uh, the Legion at, you know, and then FC Tulsa. And then rounding out uh, for the playoffs, because I believe seven only make it, right? Because the first place mm-hmm. gets a bye. Uh, Indy 11, and I know in this article here, you mentioned that you're starting to come around on Indy. Uh, you got them uh, just ahead of Memphis here. So, you know, to me, is it the Rowdies that as a clear number one or Louisville and Pittsburgh kind of in their neighborhood or, can, you know, kind of how close is the top? That is sort of the question I'm pondering. I think that Louisville is pretty tight with them at this point. I kind of see it. And if you're seeing the power rankings right now, like across the division as a whole, it's kind of a pretty delineated top four. Tampa is still really strong. Like you have to question with Forrest Lasso and Evan Loro out, how are they going to transition? But I think they've replaced them well. Uh, you got Timmy Mal in a, a Loudon product, but one who was really impressive and who the numbers loved. Um, they brought in Cochran and Goal, who was good in OKC. Some of the peripheral additions, like your Jake Ehrmans, your uh, Jake LaCava's, just add another layer of depth in the midfield. And they give you a little bit more tactical flexibility where suddenly Leo Fernandez can move up top. So Tampa's going to be great. Louisville added some real good talent this offseason on the sly, and they sort of have a minor youth movement going on where some of the older players think Hopano, uh, Alexis Swahi were out the door. You brought in Musha Galusa and uh, Wilson Harris and Amadou Dia from Sporting Kansas City. It's just this extra level of like dynamism, electricity. It's going to be a slightly new look Louisville team, but the way they're doing it is smart. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh. Bob Lilly always is going to have a good playoff team. Dane Kelly is the one to watch there, like the all-time division leader in goals. He's fantastic. I have a little bit of question about their defense and their fullbacks. Um, Jordan Dover didn't resign, who has been a stalwart for that team, but they're going to be good again. Um, Miami, I go back and forth on. They're very strong, but they're they brought in a lot change. of talent this year. It's almost right. like they hit the reset button and said, you know, hey, I'm Roberto Silva. I got a checkbook here. Let's write they it kinda, out. They kind of panicked. Yeah, they kind of pa- I thought they had a yeah. good squad last season. They're just missing a couple pieces. Um, yeah. They kind of – and it was mainly when they went up against uh, teams like Tampa Bay where, where those differences really showed where they're just, they're just that one – that one attacking piece, that that one little, you know, that one guy who could play that through ball, that's all they were missing, and then they did a complete rebuild. <laughs> right. So. It's like like you brought in Segbers and Kyle Murphy and Romeo Parks, but Francois and Billy Forbes and Ariel Martinez are at the door. Like, yes, this new set of players is really good, but 
it might be a lateral move at the end yeah, of the day they... where you've got the spine coming back, but I, I don't know. They're going to be good again, but I don't know if that they're the line where I'm kind of doubting that there's title contention in the mix. So then my upside, next though. one, and this, you know, I'm sure Kaler's going to, if he hasn't right. already reached out to you, probably like, <laughs> hey, what the hell's going on? Uh, the Legion. Um, I won't lie to you. I thought they've had a pretty successful offseason. I thought they would be higher up there. I would probably rate them above Pittsburgh, and I know that seems kind of odd, but I do like what they brought back and, you know, what they brought in. But uh, your thoughts on them being, what, fifth? One, yes. Two, yeah. fifth, fifth in the East? And I will say, like, when I'm mapping out the East, there's almost, like, a top five and then Tulsa and then everybody else. Right. But we'll get to Tulsa in a minute. Birmingham, for me, is it's just that striker spot. I know, yeah, you mentioned Kaler. He's high on what uh, Eddie Horvat is going to be doing. Mm-hmm. He's a player I know nothing about. And when you're losing a Nico Brett, that's a big deal because it's Brett a huge was deal. Yeah. amazing. And yeah, Marlon and uh, Enzo Martinez are fantastic creators who are going to slot into this midfield so easily and really be forces. And this team, underratedly so, was maybe one of the best defenses across the league last year. But it's just that goal scoring. Like you got to put it in the back of the net at the end of the day. And if they can prove that in the first couple weeks, they shoot up the standings for me. But it's just like that prove it aspect where I'm wanting a little bit more. I'm also interested with them moving moving uh, stadiums to a uh, Legion Field, I think, yeah. or Legion Stadium. It's a larger stadium. I know they're going to have more fans there, but will it feel like that? Will it give them a home field advantage? Because I know, you know, when people come to Toyota Field here in San Antonio, there there is a home field advantage compared to if you go to Vegas or you know one of the two teams or you know you where, where you don't necessarily have that same same you know uh, same interactions with with the fans here, so. Sure. Birmingham is one of the teams that uh, I think I think could shoot up uh, fairly quickly, especially if they get off to a hot start um, along those lines. Tulsa, uh, they were the Jekyll and Hyde team last year. Um, do you predict them to be the same Jekyll and Hyde team where one week they'll win 4-0 and the next week they'll lose 5-0? I think the big problem for them last season came in two areas. And it was the defense down the middle and the fact that Joaquin Rivas and uh, Jorge Luis Corrales were often missing on international mm-hmm. duty. So you bring in Gabriel Torres to fill in that left back spot and in a pinch that left wing spot. He was fantastic in Hartford. I think he'll really address what that team missed creatively. And then they brought in Rodriguez, who is a Salvadoran international center back. Their center backs, frankly, were terrible last season. Mm-hmm. One of the sloppier sides in the league, and it had the knock-on effect of making their goalkeeping statistics look bad. It threw off things in the central midfield, which they've also added there defensively with Petar Kuic from uh, Sporting Kansas City system again. So I think they've added smartly, and their roster is built in a way that really can impress if they're able to engage those attacking players 
for me, they're lacking a striker still. And I do have slight questions about the defense despite some of the changes. So for me, they're the final team that is pretty safely a playoff lock in the East. But at the same time, I'm kind of struggling to see the upside beyond a sixth or fifth place finish. And then the last team, uh, Indy 11 here, which I have a soft spot for, cue the smoke. Uh, like I said here, shout out to you guys. Um, at the seventh spot, you mentioned that you're kind of warming up. Uh, what, what's what's kind of giving you some more uh, uh, love for, for Indy 11 compared to Memphis and Charleston? Yeah, so being born and raised and living there for the first 18 years of my life is probably the first thing that makes me biased towards <laughs> them. But um, <laughs> love Mark Lowry. The addition of Stefano Pino is going to be a big deal just because this team lacked in forwards. And I'm increasingly buying into the like regression to the mean where last year was a bit of a shit show with Martin Rennie exiting and getting really stale. And when you have names like an AOZ, an Avil Hackshaw, a Carl Wilmette, I think that they are more talented than they Let on evidenced me. last season. And I think they're going to come back a little bit. Do I think this team is maybe going to struggle to adjust to the Lowry system and doesn't match it perfectly? Do I think that they brought in way too many Real Monarchs players? Yes, on both ends. But they just have a little bit more spark and I give them the Lowry boost over the two other decent sides there for that final spot. So moving out West, uh, we'll do the top three. Cause I think there's three clear favorites, uh, you know, based on yours here, you got Sac Republic, you got Phoenix and you got Colorado Springs. I think, you're pro you know, just in following you, I think those are, those are the three clear. And then there's probably a break to, and you have fourth is El Paso. Uh, to me, I'm not as high on Sac Republic just because they have a lot more to go because they were a non-playoff team. They were underperforming team last year. Um, yeah, they've they've brought in you know some quality players, but there's you know there's they've still got to make that jump. Phoenix is Phoenix, and like I said here, I thought Colorado Springs um, has done a decent job at shoring up their defense. Um, now there's still some other holes in there. Uh, but your thoughts on the top three out West? Yeah, Sacramento for me, I just completely adore that midfield that they've put together. LaGrossa is a proven quality, even basically at the MLS level. I think Nick Ross was super impressive with what he did in El Paso. Zico Lewis is one of the best creators in the league coming over from the battery. Uh, Rodrigo Lopez coming back is a huge deal. He gives you so much in that box-to-box -box role, even if he's getting a little bit up there age-wise. Douglas Martinez at striker. I mean, he was a striker for a championship team with that Real Monarchs uh, title winner. Do they have the center-back position locked down with like a Hayden Sargis out the door? And I've heard very good things about what uh, Desmond, who they've added over from Europe, uh, from the British Isles is going to be doing. And I kind of trust what they've done with like Jack Gurr and Ferdy Sosa right back. There's some soft question marks there. And I do think they're lacking forward depth, but man, the wingers and the midfielders that they've got in the middle, this is a team that can keep the ball and not give it up and is going to be dictating a lot of games. Um, 
you mentioned Phoenix is Phoenix, and I don't think there's really a better way to sum that up. Um, talk about Marcus Epps too. Like if there's going to be someone who can approximate, if not the exact like goal scoring dominance of Solomon Asante, I think he can put up a decent impact to kind of approximate what that was. And then talked about Colorado Springs. I've got again some questions in the midfield for them, but Haji Berry is ridiculous. Galena coming back is a really big deal. And then they're going to be uh, flanking that with like Elvis Moe, um, Carlton Belmar. In defense, the center backs are both good. I was watching some tape back today, in fact, of Oxford and Hodge, who I think are a really underrated pair. Macaulay King and Malik Johnson at the fullback spots. Talk about two really great players. And then one of the most underrated additions in the whole offseason has to be Jeff Caldwell and goal for that side. Mm -hmm. Nothing against Sean Melvin, who was completely fine, but Caldwell was a finalist for goalkeeper of the year uh, with Hartford, a statistical darling at the same time. Like the glow up you're getting from fine goalkeeping to the elite level that Caldwell gives you, it's going to be big for a Colorado Springs side that is so attacking focused and tends to give up big chances as a result. And you have someone who's going to stand on his head and make those stops. So I just, I believe in the vision for how they build this off season. So the next four, and, and I know you have them in, in, in your order here, but yeah. to me, you could probably flip these in any way. And I'm not sure you'd be wrong. You got El Paso at four, uh, New Mexico, five, San Antonio, six, San Diego at seven. Um, and we already kind of discussed OCS, Orange County, you know, you know, right outside outside there. But uh, El Paso coaching changes kind of revamped the roster a little bit, you know, just because they're, you're going to be changing styles. Uh, New Mexico brought in a lot more talent. They kept some of what, you know, their core from last year. Um San Diego's reloaded as well. San Antonio, I think, has had quite a bit of changeover, which we discussed earlier. But these bottom four, you know, as far as playoffs, teams four through seven, like I said here, I think, I think it's it's going to be a fun um, a fun season to watch to see how these four evolve. I will say I'm not as high on El Paso. Um, I'm probably a little bit higher on San Diego if, if I was to kind of flip, you know, flip them here, you know, taking away this, the San, San Antonio, uh, aspect of it here. Um, but you know, like I said here, that's equivalent about minor stuff here for me. Yeah. On El Paso, I'm kind of just buying into the PR that I'm getting, like hearing John Hutchinson and hearing the takes I'm getting from like the seriously loco crew where you hear about like this high pressing, keep the ball high up the pitch style. At the same time, like bringing in Eric Calvillo, bringing in Cristiano Francois, kind of a big deal. I mentioned it in the piece, but um, I don't trust their center back spot entirely. Well, I do like Evan Newton in goal. I think their fullback uh, on the right side is a pretty clear downgrade moving from Macaulay King to uh, Brock Bank from the English lower leagues. That said, like I believe in what they're going to be doing stylistically. Just looking at it, I probably do have them too high, if we're being honest, but they're going to be a really good playoff side at the end of the day. And then just advancing down here, um, you pretty much hit all the beats on New Mexico. 
I should eat crow because I had them winning the mountain last season. Like I was very high on that roster. And I think how did that turn out? Not great. <laughs> you weren't the only one though. I won't lie to you. A lot of it's people true. had New Mexico. They couldn't score though. Um, yeah. And I think, I don't know if they've addressed it a hundred percent, but I do think they have, have improved it um, mightily from last year, which was their big issue. Yeah, well, I was I was praising Nico Brett a ton earlier, right, in the context of Birmingham, and say hello to the new starting striker for uh, United there. I think that Jerome Keysweater is not going to be any good in terms of an addition, just because he really hasn't returned anything for goals in a couple of seasons at this point. But there's a scenario where he ends up banging in double digits just because he has that talent. And I think that just going back to the Brett idea, he, and again, I've got some stuff coming out this week about uh, Chris Wien's potential impact just playing off of a Brett-like striker. I think he's going to have a huge year. Uh, what they brought in in the middle with Justin Portillo is going to be pretty underrated. He gets box to box. I have weirdly invoked the 2019 Real Monarchs twice now, but uh, he was big in that side. Um, <laughs> just So I think they're going to be solid. Again, they just feel like a solid playoff team, a step above like that OC line for me at this point. San Antonio is the one where in the last two weeks with those three additions in terms of Garcia, DeShane Beckford, and Kachukamane, they jumped from a team that I had on the outside looking in to one that feels like they've got a real high upside at this point. I couldn't rate Fabian Garcia any higher as a central defender. <laughs> and I think that the trio you have now, and I didn't realize that uh, Kamiri was probably going to be coming back. That's a murderer's row of a, like four center backs that you can rotate in and out with those three keepers and some really good fullback play. You've got PC restored to that kind of natural central position that I prefer him in and have preferred him in since like his Fort Lauderdale striker days gosh, this team is going to be hard to score on. And then you think about the Marcina style with that counterattack, trying to get out on the break. Who is a better fit for that than the pace of Katukamane and Deshane Beckford? And maybe they're not both starting at the same time, but even you throw the speed, the guile of one of them with your Patino, with Elliot Collier, who mentally and visually comes off as a sort of tank but he's a really talented dribbler, really good at his feet. Like every time I talk about San Antonio FC, I tend to just like bump them up mentally and get this urge to like throw them up where I have El Paso right now, because I'm really starting to buy into what they've done this off season, even if it took me a minute to get there. Um, and so I'll, I'll shut up about that because I'm glowing at this point. To, to, to be fair. Yeah, no, I was going to say to be fair. I've 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 kind of had a similar like mm, what what are we doing okay we brought back some players okay what, how are we gonna how are we gonna upgrade uh, and El Paso I think El Paso is definitely overrated we'll see how they play but I think them losing Mark Laurie is going to be end up being the story of their off season uh, and the story of their 2022 season is wow, that guy was really important here, and we really miss him. I think that's how El Paso is going to feel for sure. And that's why I think Indy is very underrated, and I think they'll be in the top four um, this upcoming season because of the talents of Mark Laurie. That dude, 
the the tactic the how he's got an MLS I don't understand I, I I don't get it either the how he completely nullified any attack that SAFC could have put up in the first three matches that we played against them last season I just watched it with damn we just got nullified everybody did it, it was amazing and to include upon that. He got dig. It was either he had Diego Luna coming back, and he had Lucho Soniak coming back to where they were. There was supposed to be somebody that was on one of them. They couldn't do that, so one of them was open at all times, and they just dominated the first two or three matches against us. Uh, and Marcina finally uh, had a game plan to that was successful against them, uh, and it was. And I'm pretty confident that. Oakland Roots were watching that because that's exactly how they beat uh, El Paso was doing the exact same thing as SAFC did, which was everybody back here, let all their attack just kind of fizzle out and then we'll go counter on them. That was pretty much it. Um, but we'll see how El Paso does. I, like I said, I think you, I think you have them, mm, you have them quite a bit too high. SAFC I think goes up a bit. New Mexico also goes up a bit. They've really done a lot. I do agree with that. Um, I think the best team in this entire division, though, uh, I think results, I think regular season wise, I think it is going to be Colorado Springs. They're not, a, they've never been a good playoff team, though. So I don't see them going far in the playoffs, but we'll see how that turns out. Any comments that you have, Rafa? I was going to ask John, like, what's the one missing ingredient for SAFC to get into the top three to really, like, what can what can we you know SAC do and be a real threat to winning the Western Conference and going to the final? I think it is the presence of one of those like box to box, really ball carrying midfielders where PC in a perfect world could be filling that role. But I don't know if I trust his legs at this point. And I think I want someone who has a little bit more vision and dribbling skill. And it's they've got a little bit more like a physicality and a bite to their game than Jose Gallegos say. Like I talk about Eric Covia constantly, but he's the mold of player where you can stick him in that kind of like Nathan or now Loera role, but they're able to come deeper and help and build up or they can come in with a late run into the box and just blow you up when you're in the final third. That kind of do everything central midfielder. And I think you could say that about 99% of teams in this league, but that would be the one thing where like, whoa, that would set this San Antonio side apart. And and I think a big replacement for Nathan this season is going to be David Loera, um, who came over from uh, from uh, Orlando City. Right. I think that's who's going to fill in that spot this season, and I think that's going to be another one of those diamonds in the rough that SAFC just kind of signed like a, okay, never never really heard of this guy, but then just going to explode on the scene, and he's going to fill that spot. And in the preseason, that's exactly where he's been. He's been in that. He's wearing the 10 shirt, but SAFC's never really had a 10. We've had a guy that comes back that will drop back. He'll help out in the press. But he connects the forwards with the uh, uh, the central midfielders, and I think that's what he's going to take. Um, at the same time, I think another X factor player that SAFC could sign if they decided to, uh, who's apparently still a free agent for some reason, and I'm I don't know if it's retirement or what's going to happen. But isn't Solomon Asante still a uh, free agent for yeah. no reason? Yeah, 
So I don't know if he's waiting on an MLS contract he think is coming or no. I'm. I think it's rumor was was is that he was going overseas. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Is there one player out there that we can bring in? There you go. I think that's what I was getting to. (laughs) Is there one that you know that maybe if we sign him, that's the missing piece to the puzzle? Weston McKinney. <laughs> yeah, there's this guy Lionel Messi. I don't know if you. Um, boy, I'm I'll do some research. Gone. Let me look him up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't. I think that because this is MLS starts next week, and I know as we kind of discussed, San Antonio's got really quiet on player announcements. Um. I'm going to be interested to see because usually San Antonio gets what three, four MLS loanies. Mm-hmm. Um, Either loanies or guys that did not get the contract they wanted, which I, I honestly think, in my heart of hearts, I think that Jasser Kamiri was waiting to see for if an MLS team were to come calling. I don't think he ever got that call, or the call that he got was insulting. And SAFC said, same thing you had last season. Let's go, baby. And I think that's why he's coming back. So there's still a lot of quality guys out there. You know, like oh, Sam, sure. Gle- Sam Gleedle yeah. um, is still out there that that will will find a home. You were saying El Paso has obviously downgraded in right uh, right backs. There's your damn right back right there. Get Gleedle out there. Although Sam, be... don't go there, please. That's uh, correct. That's correct. <laughs> Sam, go anywhere but there. Yes, sir. Go east. Yeah. Go east, my friend. Correct. That's correct. Uh, that's correct. <laughs> Uh, but you know, like I said here, but the him, Kamiri, you know, all the fringe, you know, MLS, you know, bottom half of the rosters, like I said. So I think this will be an interesting week to kind of see, or these next two weeks, I'll say, will be an interesting week because I do know just on, on how the game is played. There are discussions saying, okay, hey, go try out with Team X. If you don't make it here, you know, you've got a spot here along those right. lines here. So. To me, you know, and this doesn't just go for San Antonio. This goes for you know, you know, the rest of of, of USL championship teams. Yeah. Is that there will be some interesting uh, last minute additions that you'll be like, "What? He's he's here? How did that happen?" So, uh, uh, rumor has it that Houston Dynamo is talking to Ache and is going to sign him from Atletico Madrid. Which, if he's willing to go to the Dynamo, Tim Holt might as well get on the phone and be like, "Dude, don't don't waste your time. Just." Come down, I ten. Get the Santos. Yeah, that that would be interesting. Yeah, then he'll just he'll just choke everybody in the championship and get away with it. It'll be fun. So. Start his career again. <laughs> so final thoughts here, because yep. you know, uh, you know, we said hey, we were splitting up the shows to get shorter. Now we do have a special guest. Whoops. Here, so. Yep. Uh, we're not not uh, making that happen here, but this uh, is the story of every podcast. <laughs> though, <right? laughs> well, it's a great conversation, and, and especially we wanted to highlight your work, you know, because like I said here, you do awesome work, and, and I know, um, I know that some of the communication from San Antonio can be a little bit harsh uh, at times here, um, but I think that probably comes from all fan bases uh, that have an active fan base. I guess I should say. Um, passion. Yeah. You know, RGV doesn't say a lot, but you know, that's a whole shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> we saw how well it was for the bold that they had to relocate. So 
buddy and uh well the energy i mean shout out to the energy and all their fans which they did have quite a few fans uh, that's a crappy situation there so shout out to y'all and i'll, I'll be uh, speaking about the energy in my final thought here mm-hmm. um but john uh, your uh your final thoughts uh if you want to plug your website you know what, what you what you anything that you want to plug um any topics that you'd like our thoughts on <sighs> nothing off the top of my head (laughs) honestly like i do just want to say like i love the show like i listen to the feed when it comes out on the spotify version of it you guys do great work thank you you're clearly passionate and i think i love like i've been a fan of what's been going on in san antonio since the nasl days like i grew up watching indy 11 play really like that was my introduction into soccer in this country Team Honda versus Team Toyota. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, the Hankinson connection. Um, But so, like, I've always respected what's gone on here from afar. So I just love what you guys do to support that. And in terms of my stuff, like, just follow at USL Tactics on Twitter. Whatever you need will end up on there at some point because I tweet way too much. So, (laughs) same. (laughs) <laughs> and you can also catch John on the USL show Tuesday yeah. nights. Um, as You're well. better than I am at this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the reason why I'm in the host seat here. <laughs> <laughs> I need to help him do a, to his, his polling for the high school teams. Who's really the best team? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's controversy. That's that's when we really hear it. Yeah. Uh, you think you hear it from us. Or oh, Bubba. Bubba. Oh, Bubba. They have someone that's the supposed number one source that knows everything, but yeah. I just John with his, with his stats. Yeah, our DMs are open and uh, they are fiery sometimes. Yeah, all high school. It's high high school football in both iterations of high school football. Intense in this state, especially in this region. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, thank, yeah, thanks, John. We'll you, Royce, uh, your final thoughts? Uh, just. Thank you, John. Um, I I didn't know anybody was going that in depth on USL Championship Soccer and, and everything. And I was really excited a few years ago when, when I started following you. And it's cool to finally meet you and to talk to you, man. It's it, I, I love your work, man. It's it's great. And it's, it's needed for sure. And it's definitely appreciated. So that's my final thought. That's it. I just keep waiting for uh, some MLS team to to grab them because yeah, they tend, they tend yeah. to grab the best of USL's championships. So for real. Um, which for you as a, as a career and job, you know, kudos to you if that ever happens, but it'll suck for us. <laughs> my dirty secret is that I know nothing about MLS basically. Like, I'm but you could learn very great. quickly. Yeah, I guess that's right. But I'm pretty great like, when it comes to like, I know the championship, I've got a bit of league one and I'm kind of brain dead with everything else at this point. Rafa, your final thoughts. I just want to thank thank John for coming on. Learned a lot from him. And then also final thought, just want to wish a happy birthday to my Aunt Elda in Modesto, California. So happy birthday to her. And uh looking forward for Wednesday's show for the Power 15. <laughs> Power <laughs> 15 and uh, Taps Bracketology. I gotta you know. I have to have John on bracketology <laughs> to analyze <laughs> He's gonna win the state title, the three state title. <laughs> we call that we call that a tease in the business. Yeah, there you go. 
So my final thought, there's two of them here. Um, both show related. Well, number one, thank you to John and Royce and Rafa. Uh, this week here, we've uh, upgraded to where we have not only did SAFC get a new website, but so did we, um, satxsoccer.net. Uh, you'll be able to catch all of our episodes. You can catch the YouTube episodes. Uh, there'll be articles at some point if any of us want to write articles along those lines here. Um, I need to make sure I get with Royce and Rafa to update their about us uh, for that here along those lines here. And um, Royce will not be here next week because he has a, a more important uh, place to be um, uh, for that here. So Royce may not be on the show next week. We may or may not have a show next Sunday. Uh, but on March 7th, uh, or pardon me, uh, March 6th, um, we're going to have Mr. Man Bun, uh, Cody Lorenzi uh, from, oh, I call him, I told him I was going to call him. Uh, I will say real quick, I, we're bringing on Corey, uh, Corey Lorenzi, who's now, uh, I believe he's an agent. He's uh, an agent. So, yeah, so we won't talk about that. It'll be like... Um, the um, Steve Dangle Podcast Network's uh, Agent Provocateur, <laughs> where they always interview. Uh, I don't know if y'all are hockey podcast fans, but they they yeah. always have a, a different agent on, and they give you the behind the scenes of. Yeah, I got a drink with that guy, and that's how that deal's made. It's amazing. So hopefully we get some fun stories. But uh, real quick, yeah, I won't be on next week because uh, my mom turned sixty, and I'll be with her for her birthday. Yay! Huzzah. So, but with uh, Cody, we're gonna go over. Uh, obviously, his career with, with Oklahoma City, uh, he was a uh, Puerto Rico national uh, mm -hmm. team member uh, for them. Kind of talk maybe briefly about that. Um, but obviously, he's been on the opposing side here at Toyota Field. So to kind of get that uh, interaction of what's it like to come in as a goal goalkeeper here. Um, and then to me, the more important is going to be that transition from where he was as a player to now. Because um, we always see... Co uh, players, you know, it seems like from USL go more into the coaching ranks here, but to see about this as a different avenue for uh, players to go through to where, you know, maybe on, on the business side or on the player side of that here. And I would also like to touch base, you know, on how important it is for the USL Players Association to get that uh, bargaining, collective bargaining, collective bargaining. Yep. deal. Um, mm -hmm. just, just to kind of reinforce, cause I know he, you know, he's a huge voice, uh, for USL players and it was, you know, long, um, and I'm sure there'll be a discussion, you know, between which beard was better, his or Matt's, uh, you know, cause both of them can, uh, can grow the beard. Unlike me, uh, Rafa used to be able to grow the beard till, uh, you know, he had to get all prim and proper, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that COVID John's beard, looking John. a pretty solid one as well though. So <laughs> John, yeah, got yeah, it. my ancestors, not so much. Yeah. You guys, you guys are fine. Mine. That's yeah. Yeah, mine's thin gray and yeah, it's, it's a whole bunch of patch, but I got that sick neck beard, bro. <laughs> so but uh we'll, we'll have a discussion of beards uh in two weeks uh most likely here please but, no uh do want to thank john like i said a huge thank you hopefully we'll have you on uh later on in the year at the end of the year you know just to yeah, kind of yeah. recap say hey what went right what went wrong for uh san antonio fc uh for that here in, in just usl in general uh rafa royce uh we you know thank you for uh you know uh, coming up tonight and then especially you royce where you know you came from the beach um, and walked in the door um <laughs> quite literally i need a shower much. i smell <laughs> <laughs> uh 
uh and he had everything hooked up too that was the other amazing part here i was like oh he's gonna come on and he's still gonna have to do it here but uh uh what's life without goals uh we're out of here hope everybody has a great uh two weeks here uh, possibly see you